can obviously be abused. All right, guys, before we get into this, let's go ahead and pray, and we will get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you once again, and we just thank you, Lord, that we can get together and um, seek your face and get into your word and know you more intimately. Uh, we are so blessed to be here in the United States, very safe, and Lord, we lift up people that are in, in war-torn countries, Lord, not just Ukraine, but you've got all kinds of wars going on, Lord, that you know about in Africa and all over that we don't even hear about. So, Father, lift up people that are hurting and needing around the world, Father, that are in war-torn areas. I pray that you'd be glorified in them, Lord, that people come to know you through the desperation that they're in and that they realize that their life is short and that they need to be accountable and that they would come to know you, Father. You'd bring yourself to them and that they would know you. So, Father, please use this message tonight. Help us to understand about being ready so we can be useful to the world um, if there is a time that we don't have everything that we need. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, Father, we also lift up James Evans, Lord. Um, he may be, there may be a kidney available for him, and I guess they're testing now to see if it's going to work, if it's the right application for him. So Father, we just pray, if it's your will, Father, if you would, Lord, that it would be, and that it would fit, and that it would be a something that James could have and that he'd be healthy again and strong and back in the fold. So we ask uh, all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I got the message tonight, you know, our, on our handout on Sunday, it was, um, the Lord just made it clear to me, okay, John, that is the topic um, about worrying and anxiety because on the cover is one of my favorites, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to the Lord. And so that was what drove it home for me. I'm like, okay, that is the, the message is going to be on, on prepping, and it's just for sure thing there. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to be in Matthew um, 6, uh, 25, is where Christ talks about worrying quite a bit. And, but in the prelude to... Matthew 6.25, we're going to go to Matthew 6.16. There's four qualifiers that come up that I want to go through in um, Matthew 6.16 and all the way up to 6.25. And I want to compare prepping to these, these sections. Now, we all know there's a lot going on right now in the world. I mean, gas prices are really up there. Um, things happening in the Ukraine. And you know, before we get too far, you guys, I really want you to know that we really couldn't trust the news like for the last year, two year, five, really the last five years. I mean, the news was really, really distorted. It wasn't accurate. Um, a lot of lies. I mean, look at how much has happened with like uh, the rioting and just so much. So anyhow, what I'm getting at is there's a couple of people that are really behind uh, you know, helping Ukraine and, and getting and, and helping Ukraine. And that's kind of the narrative that we're seeing, right? We really feel like as Americans, we're, you know, we should get over there and help out, right? The Ukrainians are being, you know, uh, bitten into by the Russians and they need the world's help and we should get over there and help them, right? Kind of feel that way, right? As Americans and we're seeing on the news. John, if you put those up. Um, there's two um, tweets here that are, one is from George Soros and one is from Hillary Clinton. And um, when you read them, 
you may think differently about us wanting to jump in and help Ukraine. I'm not saying it's for sure. I'm just telling you that if these two people are behind it, it is very concerning. Um, if they want us to be in it, it makes me not want to be in it. So anyhow, we have Hillary. I'm praying for the people of Ukraine. We know she talks to Eleanor Roosevelt. Bill Clinton said she does. Um, and then the world will hold Russia and Putin accountable for the human suffering and destruction this unjustified and unprovoked war will bring. Okay, Clear, Hillary Clinton said that. And so that alarms me. Um, next one, George Soros. Putin's actions are a direct attack on the sovereignty of all states that were once in the Soviet Union and beyond. Russia is in clear violation of the United Nations Charter and should be held accountable. When those two people are saying stuff like that, I kid you not, it makes me do it like a, wait a minute, why are we being taught, told that we should be into this war? Because I felt that way until I read these. So you guys, there may be more to it than meets the eye. There's been a lot of lies in the media. So just beware. Us getting into this thing could be a real, real bad thing. The United States gets involved, it becomes a big deal. Right now it's a little deal. Russia has like 145 million people. We have 330 million. We're the third largest population behind China and India. They both have about 1.4 billion. So when we get involved, it's a big deal. Right now, it's a little deal. So where that's going to go, I don't know. But these two guys supporting it scares me. So anyhow, with that in mind, I guess I'm bringing all that up because times are uncertain. Gas prices going up, the lies in the media. Um, gosh, we had in the State of the Union address, we had our president and we had, for the first time ever, two women behind him. First time we had a uh, vice president, this female. So you guys, um, in Isaiah, were warned that in hostile times, I'll read it, that um, when you have women ruling over you, it's not a good thing. Women that's no put down to you, that's the Lord just saying that that's, be concerned. Think about it, that um, we have two the most powerful the three most powerful people out there, two of them are women. Is that a trip? Um, and then you go into Forbes, and, all, and there's tons of other women nowadays that are CEOs and CFOs that are running these companies. Um, it's happening a lot. It's interesting times. But um, so we, we're not sure what's happening. Um, supply breakdowns. I mean, I'm sure all of you, whatever you do, you hear about how there's supply chain problems. You just can't get product. It's not being delivered. We don't know where it is. It's way more expensive than it was. Why is it more expensive? Not sure. Um, it just is something to, you know, pique our attention. And, you know, if something does happen, how prepared are you? Do you have, they say the first, you know, in a real disaster, the first 72 hours is the most critical, like surviving the first 72 hours. How many of you have 72 hours worth of like food and water. They say you need about two gallons of water a day to survive, to drink and to cook and such. Um, food, you can, go without, you can go 30 days without food. Three days without water, 30 days without food. And that's you know, when your body starts breaking down and you start dying. How many of you can do um, that? Um, so just making it aware. Um, 
So, let's see here. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you first, when you fast, I'm sorry, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You guys, if we do things, if we are going to prep so that we can be uh, seen as preppers or get a, a title as being preppers, um, and we don't like keep it quiet, like, um, you know, it's something that we want to have like in our back pocket. It's not something we want to taunt. We want to keep it quiet, use it in an emergency. Um, we don't want to have a, you know, this, um, I don't want to call it a reward, but it is a um, self-satisfaction maybe, or a, a physical, you know, I'm prepared type of thing, or, uh, you know, kind of touting it out there to people. Um, we want to be quiet. We want to be quiet about it. Just be prepared, just gently and humbly. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So we got to keep it quiet. You know, just be cool about it, have it, and when the time comes, if we need it, then we can bless people. We, wanna, we don't want to do it to be show-offs that we're a bunch of preppers. You guys see the difference? Verse 19, um, 19 says, um, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can we store treasure in heaven by standing still? Not really. We need to do something. I mean, the Lord's always calling us to do things, to, to stay busy. There's a million things we can do. Prepping is just one of them. Um, you know, if you saw someone that was starving and you could give them something to eat and witness to them um, or just be kind to them. You know, Jesus, remember, he said, um, if you give somebody even a cool glass of water, uh, you surely won't lose your reward. I mean, something so simple, it can be so much. Um, good bargaining chip. Um, and then the commentary on that is, do not lay up, but lay up. Uh, maybe rephrase, don't give priority to this, but give priority to that. So we don't want to give all the priority to prepping. We want to give our priority to seeking the Lord, his will, what he have us to do, and um, obviously getting the gospel out is the first and foremost important thing. Um, the prepping thing is absolutely secondary. And this passage does not mean that it is sinful to have such assets as insurance, retirement plans, and savings accounts. After all, parents are to save for their children. That's Proverbs 13, 22, 2 Corinthians 12, 14. We're supposed to prep for our kids? Really? Yeah, we're supposed to prepare for our kids. Um, whether it's food, I mean, a number of things. We're supposed to, as adults, if you have children, we're supposed to help launch them and prepare for them and, and have stuff for them. Verse 22, the lamp of the body. This is the, 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 um, the third qualifier, if I will, for prepping or, you know, make sure your heart is correct. Your heart is right when it comes to having an idea of prepping. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be 
full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If we're doing, if we're prepping for the wrong reasons, because, well, if we're prepping for the wrong reasons, then there's, there's something wrong and don't do it. Um, we need to prep for the right reasons. Um, verse 24, uh, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, mammon refers to wealth, money, or property. No one can serve two masters because a time will come when they make opposing demands. Jesus advises us to invest in our future with him by giving of ourselves. Mammon encourages, mammon encourages us to collect material objects for our present enjoyment. So prepping is not about for our present enjoyment. And we have everything we need, right? The bird, it, it doesn't have to go and find its food. It just finds its food. It just doesn't have to toil or, you know, it just goes out and gets its food. But what does the bird do? It's got to build a nest. And it has its little eggs. And it does it just naturally. It does it quietly. It just does it. It just does it because it knows it needs to be done. And you guys, we should be in a similar fashion. We should have some things set aside so that we have a problem. We are prepared. So now we're going to get into um, Matthew 25. This is, it's meant, worry and worried is mentioned six times in this chapter. And there's also another, in Luke, there is a, um, a whole parallel scripture to this, Matthew 6.25. So 6.25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, which you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Yes, it is. Definitely. Way more than that. And... So the Lord is saying, you know, don't worry about these things. Yes, he is saying that. But as we move on a little further, I'm going to skip ahead because it says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's talking about if you can't put food on the table because you have to have a certain designer handbag or you have to have a house that costs so much that the mortgage, you can't afford to, to tithe or help or do anything for anybody else but you know, pay your mortgage uh, or have your designer clothes or have a car that's way too expensive. Um, you know, that's what the Gentiles do. We're not called to that. Have a humble lifestyle, you guys. Have money to um, help other people. Um, what does it say about the thief? Remember it says about the thief? It says thief stops stealing and start saving things up so you can help those that are in need. We need to do the same thing. We need to have stuff so we can help people that are in need. And I mean, I know it's hard to get our heads around this to a degree because we have everything we need. I mean, Costco's right down the street and it's so full of food, it would, you know, it would take forever to unload it. Um, all the stores around here are. But you guys, it wasn't taking much. The people in Ukraine, if it's, what's going on is really what's going on. I mean, it went from having whatever they wanted pretty much to being completely, you know, on the streets, and it's cold, and I mean, it's, it's freezing cold. The other night, our heater was like acting weird, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm so cold, I'm so cold, and it was probably 40, you know, um, in my house, in my bed, with blankets on. These people are displaced out of their homes, and 
it just doesn't take much, I guess, is the point, you guys, for us to be in a very uncomfortable position. And, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the great falling away at the end um, is because people don't think that they are going to go through persecution. They think, I'm just going to go to heaven. When it all ends, I'm just going to go to heaven. I'm not going to be persecuted. I'm not going to have my head cut off. I'm not going to be, you know, killed. And they fall away. The great falling away is because people are uncomfortable. They don't want to take the mark, they, they don't want to take the mark of the beast, um, so they can't buy or sell. And you, now you become uncomfortable, and it's amazing. We're so spoiled, we really are so spoiled, that when we don't have our meals and our water and all this stuff on tap, you guys, you will start thinking a little differently. You will. Um, it's just hunger. Uh, I was talking to a, a, um, an army vet, and he said the worst person to come across was somebody that was starving because they would do anything. They thought they were going to die. They're like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. It's all on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I have to do to get something to eat, even if I died trying. So, and it doesn't take much. I mean, you guys, you guys have all fasted. I know, I'm sure everybody in here has fasted for at least a day. And you see how you get edgy, you get hangry, right? <laughs> That's just one day of fasting. Uh, you know, you get in two, three days, and, you know, a fast, you know, when we fast, it is because we want to. If we don't have food on the table and we want it and we can't get it, how much difference that's going to be? It's going to have a whole different effect on your, on your psyche. Will it not? So, um, you know, we, we need to be prepared and uh, you need to think about these things because you don't want to um, get caught off guard. Even though we might, but we could have, remember this message and help get back on track. Um, so uh, let's keep moving on here. I want to keep comparing, um, prepping with what the Lord has to say about worrying. So now verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I'm not saying to worry, you guys. I'm not saying you have to have a bunch of stuff, a bunch of food, a bunch of water, or you have to worry about it because it's going to be your saving grace. It's not. The Lord is. Um, my wife said, you know, I'm, I wonder what people think that, like, prep, and if they're out of town, something bad happens. They don't have all their stuff. You know, what would they be thinking? And you know what? That's a real, if you didn't have the Lord, uh, that would be a real deal. I mean, you'd probably be, like, freaked out because, you're like, I was all ready for this, and, it, and I'm not home. And, but, you know, you guys, if the Lord's going to have something happen, and you're not at your house, and you don't have your stuff, and it happens, the Lord's still on the throne. He's going to put you through something. He's going to get you through it. One way or another, whatever his will is in your life is going to happen, whether you're at your house or not, and things go the way you think they are or not. You could prep and still have things go completely wrong. You know what I mean? And, and that is definitely a reality, a possibility. Um, so... Let's see, verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Speaking of Solomon, he was related to somebody that was a prepper. Anybody recall what David did? He couldn't build the temple, but he could gather all the gold, all the cedars of Lebanon, 
all the tiles. He could do all that, but he could not build the temple. That was David. Uh, verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. So he's talking about seeking those things for the wrong reasons, you guys. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is where we, this is a heart check. This is absolutely our heart check. This is our, our marching orders. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we can do things today. If you are concerned about things happening in the future, don't worry about it. Do something about it. You can pray, and there's a lot of things you can do. I'm not saying you have to go buy 50 pounds of grain. Um, do how the Lord leads you. Do things today. This says do it today. Okay, so the, the wrong motive here, if you go to James 3.13, um, in James 3.13, we're going to talk about selfish ambition. And who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Um, so a comment here is, so the idea is to be more prepared than everyone else? No. <laughs> um, but uh, then they won't be jealous. No, it is to uh, have your heart right and have these things for the right reasons. Uh, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. So we don't want to think on the things, you know, the things that are beneath, that are here, aren't the things that are going to make or break us. It's not bad to have them if the Lord wants to use them, and it's the, what the Lord wants you to do. But the things above are more important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The things that are above are more important. Verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a bargainship we can have to make peace if we have food and water. Yeah? Great bargainship. Okay, so now here's the gentleman. We're going to talk about the rich man here for a minute. And most of you probably know the story. He has... Um, Great earth, great land, and he has he creates these great harvests, and um, he gets into this thing, and he's kind of a Nebuchadnezzar, and he's humbled in a different way. Nebuchadnezzar had to do seven years hard time on his hands and knees, eating like a donkey, eating grass. Uh, this rich man it dies. So uh, Luke twelve thirteen. Now someone in the crowd said to him, "Teacher, tell him, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me." But he said to him, you there, who appointed, uh, you there, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over the two of you? But he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not 
even when one is affluent, does his life consist of his possessions? You guys catch that? Even what you have is not who you are. Isn't that the huge mix-up nowadays? What you have is who you are. How much money you got is kind of your status quo. And that's, <laughs> the Bible comes straight against it. It's a kick. Um, 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began thinking to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods there. And I will say to myself, you have many goods stored up for, your, for many years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your soul is demanded of you. And as for all that you have prepared, who will own it? Because remember, Solomon talked about vanity of vanity and who will own his kingdom. He says you sweat and you toil and you plan and you do all these things. And when you pass away, you don't know who's going to get it. It could be an evil person. It could be a righteous person. You don't know who's going to get it. And it's, re, it's, it's brought up again here. And as for all that you have prepared who will own it. Um, verse 21. Such is the one who stores up treasure for himself. We're not prepping for ourselves, you guys. We really aren't. Yeah, we're going to take a little bit of it to help keep ourselves alive, but it's not about us. It's really and truly about helping other people. Our family, remember? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? But those who do the will of my father. We are family. And we need to take care of our family. So verse 21, such is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich in relation to God. So, um, yeah. I, I mentioned again about David and Solomon. Okay, so um, now we're going to talk about another person who had a bunch of grain. Very, very similar story. Much grander um, overall amounts, um, far greater, and, but it was used for the right reasons. And so we're going to talk about Joseph. So in, Gen in Genesis 41, 46, now Joseph was 33, sorry, was 30 years old when he stood in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land produced abundantly. So he collected all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Tons and tons of food. He just kept collecting it. He had a vision. You know, yeah, God showed him. You guys, if you know the story, God showed him there's going to be seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. So God gave him great revolution, revelation. Uh, now before the year of famine came, verse 50, um, the, uh, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all of my father's household. And he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. 
Verse 53, when the seven years of plenty which had taken place in the land of Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph has said, then there was famine in all the lands, but, all, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt suffered famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh, people cried out for, for, for bread. See that? We would too. We don't have anything to eat. We'll be crying out. We need food. And literally, literally crying out. Um, and Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to, to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over the entire face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Then the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. It was all over the place. It could be like that for us, you guys. It may not be just the U.S. that has a hard time. It could be a whole worldwide thing. And I'm not saying we're going to come against governments, you guys. If the government is going to do something like the Nazis did, put us in concentration camps, we're not going to fight that. There is no fighting that. That's, you're going to go. It's just going to happen. And, you know, there's no, you just can't fight that. But we can get together and be together in groups so we can, you know, protect each other. They say it's very difficult for us to, you know, to, for, you know, a family of four or five or six to, um, like hold out and defend themselves because you have sleeping times, you have, you know, things that happen. And if we come together as a whole, then it's a much more powerful, effective um, way to stay alive, um, being together. Um, more minds, more hands, more eyes, and more seeking the Lord. Um, so Joseph did the right thing, and um, he was able to save many, many people's lives, and um, became very powerful and made Pharaoh very powerful. And really, you know, people paid, I'm sure, through the nose for that, for that food. And um, so, you know, that was the government aspect of what you can do with food and water when nobody else has it. It's a very powerful tool. We can use it to help save the lost. Um, so let's see here. Um, Matthew, Luke twelve twenty two says the same thing, and is uh, Matthew is uh, yeah Matthew six twenty five. It's just a it's a re repeat. So now what we're not not what we're preparing is this, this we're not preparing us this. This is a whole different. This is going to be a spiritual thing here. So Luke twenty one twelve. I'm going to read this and and then um, give some more light to what we're talking about here. So Luke twenty one twelve. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, turning you over to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors on, my, on account of my name. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will provide you eloquence and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to oppose or refute, but you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, other relatives and friends, and they, will, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all people because of my name. And yet, not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. 
That's a whole different ballgame, you guys. Just being prepared is not, like I said, it's not about saving our own necks. This, what they're talking about here, is when, you know, it's beyond all this um, preparing stuff. It is about um, the end times. When you are captured, you're being hated because you're a Christian, not because of some natural disaster, EMP strike, something like that. It is going to be um, for the end times when uh, you are going to be hated because you're a Christian. And the Lord will speak for you and go before you and all that. So, um, so I want to end, end off here with um, just speaking about a few things that we can do in preparation. Um, there are several types of, of like prepping, of being prepared. It's not just, like I said, like a sack of grain. Um, you can obviously save stuff, food, water, um, things like that. That's good to have, important to have. Um, but you can also work on like open-handed skills, which is like um, jujitsu, things like that. Um, you know, in a group, you're going to want to have several types of people in your group. Um, somebody that can be defensive with their hands. Um, you're probably going to have guns involved. But you want someone that's going to be a dentist, maybe, or a doctor, or someone that's a carpenter. Um, um, you're, going to, you're going to want to be physically fit. You're going to be able to, if you have to carry somebody or climb a hill or carry a backpack, you know, these are things you need to think about. And so being physically fit is important. And, um, you know, a herpetologist, someone that can tell you what you can eat and can't eat. How many of you guys, I, I've been out in the, outside a lot, and we ride bikes a lot, and we're out, and I have no idea what I can and can't eat out there in these hills. Does anybody know? What's going to make you sick? <laughs> yeah, Matina knows. Yeah, Matina's good at that. Um, Troy is good at that. Um, I think you need acorns, but that's only when there's acorns around. But, you know, so... You guys, think about how ill-equipped we really are. Um, praise the Lord that he sustained us as long as he has, the way he has. You know, a lot of other countries know how to, you know, live off the land. Um, you know, do any of us raise chickens or have a cow or a garden? Anybody in the gardening? A few? Okay. I mean, think about it. I mean, everything we rely on is in the store down the street. You lose power. You have no electricity. Your freezer doesn't freeze your food anymore. It thaws out. It goes bad. How long is that going to take? Seven, eight, nine days? After that, what? Uh, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do to eat? So, um, so have things like a, a garden. I mean, these, these are just things that, that we need to have. It, it would be good to have. Um, Noah, it says that Noah prepped. By fear. It does. It says, by faith and by fear. Two things motivated Noah to build the ark. He was a little afraid. I guess the vision he got from the Lord like, was like, wow, this is really a big deal. And it, and it scared him. So it says that uh, Noah was moved by fear and also says that Noah was moved by faith. Both. Um, we don't have a spirit of fear. Helplessness. We just don't have it. That's not, if you're a Christian, you don't, you're not helpless. Um, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, uh, you know, fear also keeps you from doing crazy things, doesn't it? So, um, you know, to be a little concerned about what's going on or just, even if you're not concerned about what's going on, um, you know, 
have some extra things around, I guess. All right. Um, and we don't want to be ignorant. You know, things are going to get worse. We know that. The Bible says that things are going to get worse. And so Jesus said that he was going to, you know, the temple is going to be destroyed at 70 AD. He said the temple is going to be destroyed. But didn't want to believe him. They were just being ignorant about it. Um, you guys, we know that things are going to come up. That we're going to be persecuted and things are going to happen. So let's not be ignorant about it. Let's uh, think about these things. Um, so we don't want to trust in, um, put all of our trust in the government. They're not going to take care of things, you guys. They'll be overwhelmed. Look at when natural catastrophes happen, like Katrina and such. The resources are absolutely stretched to a max. Um, Red Cross is there. The government's doing their thing. They're flying water in. They're completely stressed out. So if we can do things on our own and not have to rely on the government, that's a really good thing. Not only do we not have to rely on the government, but we can help others in need. Um, we need to have personal responsibility. We need to be self-reliant. We need to have a survival plan. And there's all kinds of things that can happen. There's, there's these hacks. They can hack power grids, uh, EMPs, um, many, many things. Um, you know, we never, you know, Mount St. Helens, that was a gnarly thing. It just came out of nowhere. There was no warning. It just happened. And, um, you know, on just a little side note here, if any of you guys haven't seen Christian, uh, Christian, Christian Research Institute did a two-hour video on Mount St. Helens. And there were two Christian research scientists that went up to Mount St. Helens right after it erupted. And they went in and they tested the trees. Um, they went into Spirit Lake. They did all kinds of, of studies that were fascinating. And um, you know, Spirit Lake, because the lava had cut near it, um, the river had taken the, the line of the lava, the, where the lava was, and it looked like it had cut through the rock. Like, you know, thousands of years, they say, you know, it cuts through an inch at a time, whatever. Um, the petrified trees from the blast of the heat, all the pine trees were petrified instantly from the blast of heat, blown into Spirit Lake. Spirit Lake had, was full of these trees, and some trees, depending on the size and such, would like, literally be like midway through the water, standing straight up, um, obviously, some would come down to the bottom, laying down. Some would hit the bottom, standing up. Some were, at the, you know, floating on the top vertically. Some were on the top horizontally. And then all the ash came in, tons and tons and tons, metric tons of ash came in on top and settled down. So all the trees that were in there, standing up, all that stuff, were set in ash. And the ash was just rising and rising and covering them and covering them. So if you went back and say, this took so long for all the sediment to settle in and create these layers, uh, you'd be thinking, wow, that kind of makes sense. But they were able to show that, you know, like the Grand Canyon, stuff like that, was huge amounts of water, huge things happening over a very short amount of time. So Christian Research Institute, Mount St. Helens, give you a chance to watch that. It is awesome. Um, so anyhow, we have natural disasters. Yeah, Mount St. Hel Mount St. Helens. We went to the Philippines because of a tsunami they had that killed thousands of people. It just showed up, you guys. They just had a tsunami that just came in and killed, I think it was hundreds of thousands of people, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, tremendous number. Um, you know, the Northridge earthquake. Think about the Northridge earthquake. If it would have happened at 8 a.m. instead of 5.30, whatever it was, everyone was asleep when it happened. There was nobody on the road. Um, 
if it would have happened rush hour or, you know, any other time, any waking hour, really, it would have been a, a tremendously different thing. Tremendous mercy, I think, from the Lord that it, was, that it actually happened as early as it did. But those things just show up. And, you know, we had the 70 earthquake. We had the Northridge earthquake. And, you know, we're kind of due, you know, according to those things. I'm not saying anything, but, um, you know, we're kind of due for another earthquake. So it could happen. But it does or not, I don't know. That's up to the Lord. But um, those things can happen. Um, you know, Noah had to prep um, food for the animals. The Lord brought all the animals in for Noah, but he had to put all the food on there. Um, a ton of work. Um, Joseph did his thing um, with manna. You know, the, the, the Jews couldn't collect manna on Sabbat. So they had to get a double portion on the day before Sabbat. So they had to prepare. They had to get their food the day before, double portion, day, one portion for that day, and then a portion for Sabbat. Um, you know, it's not, huh, it's not that evil prevails, but it's the lack of people doing things, of Christians doing things, that can allow evil to prevail. Um, like riots, just for example, like the riots, um, you know, or, or this vandalism and stuff. People could have went down there and stood up for it and stopped evil. It was really quite evil what they were doing down there. Um, but people could have gone down there and stopped that from happening had they really wanted to. So by us doing what is, you know, right in the sight of the Lord, we're going to help uh, squelch uh, evil things. So if we can help people, we can possibly help stop evil. People robbing people, we can help stop that. People um, hurting other people. If we're prepared, we can help stop that. Um, there's a lot of things we can do if we're prepared that will stop evil to a degree. Um, and um, let's see, you guys, we're getting to the end here. Um, having medicines, necessary machinery like CPAPs, um, having those things available, having extra um, you know, if you have medicines you need, have some extra. You know, keep it around so you, in, a, in a pinch you'll have it. Um, if we could feed someone or protect someone or witness somebody or help somebody, we would. Jesus said about the sheep and the goats, what did he say? He said, um, fed, you didn't feed me, you didn't visit me in prison. The sheep and the goats theory, you know, theory, uh, scripture um, you know, we should be doing that. We should be going out and doing these things. He says, what you did to the least of these people, you did unto me. And we need to do that, I, I strongly believe. And, um, and that is it, you guys. All right, so I um, hope I'm not being a bummer. Um, my wife's telling me, don't be all doomsday. Um, and I'm like, well, gosh, you know, it's, it's just a reality check, you guys. It really is. It's just a reality check. I want you guys to think about it. I want people on live stream to think about it and be prepared. And um, well, it doesn't cost much. You know what I mean? You can be prepared for, I mean, extra food, water, stuff like that. I mean, a couple hundred bucks. Um, so anyhow, I hope this uh, resonates with some people and that it makes sense and that you're blessed by it and that uh, if you're going to prep, you prep for the right reasons. And so that's it. All right, let's go and pray, and we'll close up.